Hello and welcome to the Bible with Megan podcast. My name is Megan and here I talk about the Bible. There are two types of episode in this podcast. The first is where I look at wider themes about the Bible within the Bible, questions about how we should study the Bible and how it relates to our world. The second type of episode are just Bible studies and each week I'll go chronologically through a book of the Bible. The Bible is such a beautiful book and such an incredible gift that we have been given by God and I just hope that in this podcast you will learn to love studying it even more and that it will strengthen your faith. So let's get on with today's episode. What you are about to hear is the audio from a YouTube video. I started this Revelation series over on YouTube. So this is the audio from one of the first episodes. If you want to watch it in video form, I have linked it in the description. But if not, go ahead and enjoy this podcast version of one of the first episodes of this Revelation study series. Today we are looking at the church in Pergamum and the message Jesus has for them. I'm sorry if you can hear rain behind me again. We live in a converted bus in Cornwall and so there's not a lot I can do about it, but I hope it isn't too distracting for you. Um, Let's start by looking at some context about the city of Pergamum. So somebody that people reference quite often when looking at this time period and this area is a guy called Pliny. He was an ancient historian who wrote about this area at this time, so he was quite a handy person to read and learn about the area from. Um, And he called Pergamum by far the most famous city in Asia. So that gives us an idea of the profile of this city. Um, It was the capital of Asia, of that area, and it was built on a high hill. In fact, If you go and type it into Google Images, you'll see that the ruins are still there. Um, It's fascinating. I'd love to go and see it, but you'll see how high the hill is and how prominent it is in that landscape. There's also a great library there, second only to that in Alexandria. And so it was known as a place of knowledge, a centre of knowledge. Um, It was also the administrative centre of the area. The proconsul lived there who had the decisions over justice, over who was executed, what the Romans called the right of the sword. So it was not only a centre of knowledge, but also of justice. It was also the centre of emperor worship. The first temple to Caesar was built there, and there were also other significant um, temples to other gods, such as the uh, Zeus. There was an altar to Zeus there as well. And it was also the home of a a healing cult where people would go for healing, pagan healing. Um, And that cult linked itself with uh, serpent snake symbols. Um, So, yeah, that's linked to this sort of other pagan way of of doing um, worship and healing and things like that. So it's important to remember that because we'll see that symbol come up again in the book of Revelation. So it's a centre of knowledge, a centre of justice, and a centre of pagan worship. So the description that Jesus gives himself to the church in Pergamum really speaks into that. He calls himself the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. Now, this obviously goes completely counter to the role of the proconsul, 
in um, Pergamum. The one who had the right of the sword, according to the Empire of Rome. Jesus is saying, no, I am the one who has the true right to the sword. I am the one who will bring true justice. Now we have to remember when we hear about Jesus' sword in the book of Revelation. Can you remember from the vision where the sword was? Jesus' sword was in his mouth. And we'll hear this again in a minute about Jesus saying it's a sword of his mouth. And we have to remember this, it's really important in the book of Revelation. The sword in his mouth is referencing the the truth he brings, the truth he is, um, the word of God. So Jesus' weapon, the choice of weapon in his warfare is the truth. That is what he uses to defeat his enemies. And that is how he brings justice in this book. Next, Jesus commends the church in Pergamum for some of their good works. He commends them for holding fast and for not denying his faith. And he highlights somebody called Antipas, um, who was martyred for his faith. Um, And he is called a faithful witness. Elsewhere in the book of Revelation, Jesus is also called a faithful witness. So Antipas is commended for imitating Jesus in this way, um, even unto death. And, well, that's something we all have to do, isn't it, as Christians, is to be faithful witnesses, to imitate Jesus in every way we can and in any situation we find ourselves in. And in fact, that's what Jesus is is saying here he's commending them because they are living in this city which he calls where satan's throne is now a lot of people think satan's throne is referencing those things on the high hill the emperor um temple the temple to the emperor and the emperor the emperor the altar to zeus um which it could well be but we have to remember if that's the case which it seems to be that doesn't take away from the spiritual reality of this in fact the fact that there is the, all this pagan worship going on, all this worship to idols, all this immorality, shows us that Satan does have a grip in this place. The spiritual forces of evil have a grip on this place, and so the church must hold fast and bring light into that darkness. But Jesus has this against um, them. He says some of them are following the teachings of Balaam. You might remember Balaam from the Old Testament. You can read the stories about him in Numbers 25 to, uh, 22 to 25, sorry. Um, and Balaam was a false prophet. And basically he was asked to lead the Israelites astray by somebody and he'd get paid for doing so. And how he did it was he encouraged the Israelites to worship idols and to uh, commit acts of sexual immorality. Now, obviously, Balaam is long dead by this point. So this isn't actually Balaam, but it's somebody who's doing the same thing. And so he's given a nickname that people associate with those things. And we'll see this happens a lot in this book. Um, People are given Old Testament nicknames that relate to what they're doing. They're not actually those figures, but people associate that name with those things. They're also following the teachings of the Nicolaitans, um, And you can learn about them if you go and watch my video on the church in Ephesus. So Jesus' instruction to them is to repent, turn around and stop following the teachings of the false prophets. He says if you don't do that, he will wage war on them 
with the sword of his mouth. Of his mouth, as you've already noted. I'm going to keep saying this because it's really important and so many misinterpretations of the book of Revelation have come about because people forget that the sword Jesus has is the sword of his mouth. It is truth. It is the word of God. And that is how he wants us to conquer. That's how he wants us to overcome. And that's how he's choosing to conquer and overcome and bring justice. So we have to remember that really, really, really important. Number six, the conqueror's promise. This is kind of in two parts. Firstly, he promises hidden manna to those who overcome. And you can read about manna in Exodus 16, when the Israelites are in the desert, they have no food, and God gives them food from heaven called manna. So he's talking about God's provision. God will provide for them. And it also looks ahead to uh, the kingdom of God, where no one will hunger or thirst again. You can read that in Revelation 7, verses 16 to 17. The second part of this promise um, says that Jesus will give whoever conquers a white stone. And on that stone will be a new name. And only the person that receives the stone will know the name. Um, the white stone bit. I'm just going to put some question marks underneath it because no one is 100% sure what this means. There's some ideas it could be something to do with the legal system, about being pardoned, maybe. But this is one of the reasons, right, why it's important that we keep looking at biblical scholarship because as we learn more about the ancient world, this might come clear to us because the people in Pergamum, this obviously meant something to them and it's not in the old scriptures, so it's probably to do with their culture and context. The new name bit, though, we can get... In the ancient world, your name was associated with your character. And when we come into Christ, we are given a new character. You can go and read more about that in one of my favourite passages in Colossians 3. The part where it says it's only going to be known by the receiver. Again, question mark, not entirely sure what that means. But we do read later on in Revelation 19 verse 12 that Jesus also has a name that is only known by him. So again, it could be, it's probably linked to the fact that Jesus is going to return and to that kind of the closeness that we have with God maybe that, that he knows us so intimately. Thank you so so much for joining me for today's podcast if you have five minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on that would be really really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey if you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources you can also follow me over on instagram at bible with megan or one word where i update everything that's going on and have content on there as well so i really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the bible with megan podcast <laughs>